Hey, hey, Prime members, talking to you. You can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello to you, I'm Gail King, and welcome to CBS Mornings On The Go. Ahead on this Thursday, December 14th, Tesla drivers, this one's for you. The electric automaker is recalling nearly every single vehicle sold in the United States. Why? to fix a potentially deadly safety issue involving the vehicle's autopilot system. We'll have the details on that. Plus, we've got a fascinating conversation with a woman born into a cult. The community was called Synanon before it was disbanded in the early 1990s. Now her experience living in and discovering the truth about the cult is a topic of a Paramount Plus documentary streaming now. It's called Born in Synanon. You don't want to miss that. And Anthony, as in Mason, visits country legend Willie Nelson, who's on the road at 90 years old. They talk about songwriting as star-studded birthday celebrations. And guess what? Reincarnation. What does Willie think about that? And we will continue our look at it, the highly anticipated musical adaptation of The Color Purple. Fantasia Barino Taylor is here. She's up for a Golden Globe for her debut movie role as Seeley. And I think there should be some Oscar buzz putting it out there into the universe. All that and more after these messages. We're going to begin with an inside look at a dangerous and violent cult that existed for decades. It's all part of a new docu-series, Born in Synanon, produced by See It Now Studios. It follows one woman and her mother's journey to discover the truth about this experimental 1950s community that turned into a full-blown cult by the 1970s. It's a series that features interviews with former members who share what are deeply personal experiences and never-before-seen footage from inside the group. Synanon disbanded in 1991 after several members were convicted of crimes, including the founder, who admitted to a conspiracy to commit murder. Cassidy Arkin, the executive producer of the series, says she was born into Synanon, but did not understand the full truth of what was going on until she reconnected with former members for this project. I'm Cassidy, and I was born in a cult. What? In a cult? Synanon is one of the oldest drug and alcoholism rehabilitation centers, long respected and considered enormously successful. The goal was to try to keep each other clean. The director of Synanon is Chuck Dieterich. Everyone in Synanon is better in every possible way. The place that did not have all the labels that I had suffered. And I finally felt like I could be myself. We were building something beautiful, but there was something in the process of making this film that I wasn't prepared for. Synanon people think everything was good. They don't know. Chuck started to talk about Synanon as a religion. 
and men getting vasectomies became the sign of commitment. Women were forced to have abortions. Mothers and fathers were stealing children from each other. Charles Dietrich was placed on five years probation for his role in the attempted murder with a rattlesnake. All we kept hearing is we're at war against the outsiders. Something inside me, it was like, could we be a cult? Nobody is going to mess with us. Nobody. Wow, wow, wow. Cassidy Arkin, good morning. Thank you very much for being here. You're executive producer of this project. You also grew up in Synanon. Before we get into the problems, I, I, I want to hear about the beauty of it. That's your word. Yeah. What attracted people to it in the first place. Could you talk about that just to kick us off? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, Synanon was very much a place of just magic and beauty and music. Um, the culture was just unlike anything that I had ever experienced after leaving Synanon. In terms of, that was part of the inspiration of wanting to tell my story because so much of the stories that I had been told was something I didn't relate with when it came to Synanon. So you were born in Synanon, your parents were members, you left when you were six. What do you remember about those early years? You know, Synanon has been a part of my life since the day, you know, since I was born there. It's hard to forget. But I remember, you know, waking up in the mornings and being with my peers. I remember having shaved heads and wanting to be like other kids on the outside who had long hair. I remember um, the sitting on prayer. I remember uh, the marching and the overalls. I remember the wire. And I also remember the hard and tough moments of the regimens and the changes that were happening as we started to grow up because the culture of sitting on was always changing. Yeah. yeah, because Cassie, it started as an organization to help drug-addicted people. That, that was the intention. Correct. And for a while, it did that. When did it make the switch? You know, it was a slow progression, but sitting on, as it became more powerful and more popular and people started to come in, there was this group of people who were called squares, and the squares were people who were non-addicted members. Yes, and they we were realized trying to help others, yeah. They were trying to help others, mm -hmm. and they realized they could make a change too. Mm. And the community that they started to come in and out and play the game and started When you say be, the game, what does that mean? Because there was a lot in the doc about playing the game. What the, was game the game was like the, it was like the engine of Synanon. It was, in today's culture, it was like a cipher. So it was where the truth was told, where you could sit down in the room and you could speak to people, you could yell at people, you could cuss at people, but you told your truth. Yes. And it was one of the most powerful ways of really being able to express yourself and to be honest, but also to make change. Yeah, at one point they were talking about the diversity, black and whites could yell and scream at each other, say horrible things to each other, but they were speaking their truth and there was no fighting. And people saw the beauty of that, of being able oh, yeah. to do that. It was like being on LSD without being on LSD. Mm. You could be in this space and you'd be going back at each other. And imagine being someone who comes from the 50s and the 60s where segregation, racism, yeah. all these different things mm. were a part of our culture. And then you were in a room with philanthropists, politicians, dope fiends, prisoners, you know, people who had been in prison and had murdered each other. Yeah. And you were sitting in a room saying things that you were never allowed to say mm. to each other. Mm. That racism blocked us out. As a black multiracial woman, there are things that I'm not allowed to say to people. In right. Synanon, within the Synanon game, we were able to tell our truth and we were accepted within that place. Wow. And once you were done, you would get up and you'd leave. But. It was like a social media platform without the digital platform. Um, you, the children were separated at birth and raised communally. 
Uh, how did that have an, a long-term impact on some of those children who became adults? Well, you have to understand, for me, I was born there. So my understanding of what it meant to be raised in, you know, in, 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 in a cult or in a utopia was, it was normal. So, the village, raised by the villagers. Right. We had demonstrators who demonstrated life. Our parents would come and go when they'd want to see us. So when you move out to the outside world, you recognize that the way we were raised was very different and possibly there were things that were not right. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize until I was much older how bad things had gone, yeah. gotten. And that was something during the process of telling this story that was very hard for me and still is very hard for me to accept. Yeah, I get it. Um, it's you know. a very compelling story. It's an amazing story. Right. And, yeah. and, and part of what I want to leave to tantalize viewers, make them watch the full thing, is that your relationship with your mother is not what I think people would expect. It's, it's just not. I'll leave it at that. Cassidy Arkin, thank you very much for being here. appreciate it. That's a good Born piece. in Synanon is streaming now on Paramount+. Plus. You're going to want to tune in. Tesla has announced a recall of more than 2 million vehicles because of problems with their autopilots. That's a very big recall. It's to repair a system that is supposed to make sure that drivers pay attention when they use the self-driving feature. Regulators are saying that the current application doesn't do enough to keep drivers alert and safe. The automaker disagrees with that take, but they are rolling out a software update designed to fix the issue. Carter Evans reports now on the repeated problems that led to the recall. There's a black Tesla and the driver's sleeping. When dangerous behavior turned deadly, federal regulators took action. Investigators from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration found that more than a dozen crash-related fatalities since 2016 took place when Tesla's autopilot was allegedly engaged. And after years of pressure from regulators, Tesla finally issued a recall Tuesday that will affect nearly every one of its vehicles sold in the U.S. An over-the-air software update will now enable the cars to give drivers more warnings when they're not paying attention and even suspend auto-driving technology if drivers are using it incorrectly. This recall is actually written in blood. Robert Sumwalt is the former chair of the National Transportation Safety Board. He says he spoke to Elon Musk personally during his agency's investigation into autopilot six years ago. And as the chairman of the NTSB, I'm talking to him about this investigation and he hung up on me. I think that shows an arrogance within the organization that is leading to safety problems and killing people. You must be fully attentive. And the company's own instructional videos warn drivers to keep their hands on the wheel, but Tesla owner Susie Maggot says bad behavior is rampant. Saw a man with his seat almost fully reclined, feet out the window, and hands like behind his head going about 95 miles an hour. She hopes the regulatory push and resulting recall leads to safer roadways for everyone. That was terrifying that anyone could even, that that would be allowed to happen. For CBS Mornings, I'm Carter Evans in Los Angeles. Considering the nature of the call, I'm sure he was stunned that Elon Musk hung up the phone. It's one of those things you go, hello, hello, you right. can't Are believe it, considering what they're talking about. I know, it is a big issue. Doesn't but, surprise you know. me, though. More from this episode of CBS Mornings after this short break. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe 
how many I had, and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to CBS. I was waiting for Nate to talk, but it says Gail. Welcome back to CBS Morning. Time to bring you some of the stories we call Talk at the Table because it's a table we'd be talking. Nate. Right. You're in pole position. So I have something that okay. is extremely fascinating. So my talk to the table is an incredible story of inheritance. 80-year-old Nicholas Puesh, who is said to be worth around 10 or $11 billion. Now, he's the heir to Hermes, you know, the brand. So he has that fortune behind him. Of course, the French fashion house, where the bags often cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and are considered investments, is one of the top high-profile brands in the world. A Swiss publication now reports that Puesh plans to leave most of his money to his former gardener. Mm. Now, Puesh is not married, has no children of his own, and considers the gardener family. Um, he is said to be estranged from other members and relatives that are reportedly outraged by the news. Should have picked up the phone and had a better relationship. Yes. No like, doubt about it. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. The, the gardener, who also has a family of his own, who's married and has his own family, um, is set to receive half Good. of his fortune, which Good. is five or six billion plus the home um, that is, is um, I think, worth around five million. So wow. um, it's quite the story. I can yeah. see why they're feeling some kind of way, but they need to sit down, take several seats. Just get get over it and get glad. Should have yeah. been nicer to him. Should have been no nicer. Doubt about yes. it. You know, family comes in all forms. Yes, it, it like does, Tony. And, and you can't take the does. money. That's that's a great that's a great way to family look at comes it. in yeah. all forms. Yeah, can't take the money with them, so he has to do something that's with it. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Speaking of timeless experiences, things you can't take with you, uh, I want to tell you a kind of a piggyback story on Anthony Mason's piece about uh, Willie Nelson. It's my favorite story from the annals of marijuana use in American history. This is a a pot story, or if you're under the age of 40, a <laughs> cannabis story. And I think about it every time I'm in Washington, D.C. At the top of the White House, there is an American flag uh, pole. American flag sits on top of it. According to Willie Nelson in a memoir he wrote uh, several decades ago. Okay. In 1980, September, Jimmy Carter is president. Willie was led up there by an unnamed individual, leaned against the flagpole, and lit up what he described as a big, fat Austin torpedo, which we know is code... For what? For cannabis, for oh, marijuana. Okay. It was okay. blunt, Gail. That's okay. what it was. <laughs> okay. I do know blunt. Okay. Now, fast forward to 2020. Jimmy Carter, who was president at the time and who had invited Willie there to play uh, some music, confirmed that this did, in fact, occur against the flagpole atop the White House. A joint was smoked. With and who? the unnamed person <laughs> is Jimmy Carter's son, Chip. Ah. Chip Carter. This is the only confirmed <laughs> marijuana smoking I'm aware of at the White House, confirmed by two parties. Now, Snoop claims in 2013 he lit a joint in a bathroom at a Christmas party. 
Could be, I want to see the security footage. I, yeah. I do tend to believe. But Willie Nelson, yeah. for sure. Though. Willie Nelson, for yeah. sure. For so, sure. Talk about creating a moment. And that's why he's life. a legend. That is why he is a downright legend. Legend, sure. yes. We love all things Willie Nelson. For my talk at the table, we're talking with Grammy-winning singer Fantasia, Fantasia, rather, Barino Taylor. She makes her big screen debut in the highly anticipated musical adaptation of The Color Purple. Barino, never gets old of me. Barino Taylor plays Celia, a woman who, despite suffering terrible abuse, learns to find her voice and love herself, and boy, does she. She has just received her first Golden Globe nomination. Thank you very much for her performance. It's a role she knows very well, she says. She starred in The Color Purple on Broadway back in 2007. I saw her on stage then, too. She was knockout. In this clip from the new movie, Celie celebrates her newfound confidence and independence when she opens up her own tailoring business. I love that scene. Yeah. Go ahead, Fantasia. Fantasia Marino Taylor joins us. Hello, hello. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. Before we get started, can I yes. say stunning? Um, yes. I mean, stunning. I'm for you guys, I had. <laughs> in the green room, when you walked in and you saw the poster of yourself, you said, I still can't believe this. Yeah. I wonder what this feels like to you, Fantasia, because you're used to Grammys, but this is a whole nother ballgame. What is it like Dream. for you? Uh -huh. It's like a dream, a, a never-ending dream. You know, I was about to run from this. Why? Just because I remember playing her on Broadway. Broadway, yeah. And it wasn't as easy on Broadway. Mm. Uh, I, my life was a bit crazy as well. Yeah. So I felt like I was carrying my cross and Celie's cross, mm. and that was overload. Mm -hmm. um, plus, what Blitz did with this one is gave Blitz Celie a director. an imagination. Yeah, our yes. director, our uh -huh. amazing director. Yes. He gave Celie an imagination. Yes. She didn't have that on Broadway. Mm -hmm. So it left everybody trying to figure out how she got through everything. Then all of a sudden you hear, I'm here, and you're happy. Yes. But you don't know how she processed to get there, and I'm glad that he gave her an I've, I've heard you say many times, but I am Celie. But I want, I want to know what you mean by that. I also want people to know how hard you worked on this. Yes. Yeah. It's not like you came out there and you were playing. You are acting your butt off in this movie. Dancing. Yes, and dancing. Doing so, stunts. Yes. Yeah. So when you say you Cat are Celie... at that. <laughs> when you say you are Celie, tell us about your own journey for a bit and how how difficult this role was for you. I relate to her in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, but stepping into her shoes is very taxing and it is not easy. Plus, she code switches a lot. She has to play with Mr. Yes. Shugavery, Sophia, Hoppo, old Mr. Yeah. And to come in and play with all of those energies, it's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy at all. And you identify with that? Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I do. I like to say Celie's a cancer. I'm a cancer. Uh -huh. um, and she's just a loving woman. My grandmother was a loving woman. My mother. Um, and so I think I had to reach back into my ancestors and pull something out of me that I was terrified to go back to. Mm. Yeah. You said we get to see another side of Celie, though, yes. this time. What do you mean by that? Celie's grown up now. Yeah. I'm grown up now. I looked at things totally different. I don't think I looked at 
things when I played Broadway. Like, it was heavy. I didn't know how to let go of the road. Mm. I would go home, Seely, wake up, Seely. Mm -hmm. This time, thank God for Taraji with her crazy self. <laughs> she helped me leave Seely on set. Mm. Ah. Um, Seely wasn't ugly. Yes. She just needed to be seen. Mm. Uh, you understand? She wasn't a uh, she was a smart woman. She she held the whole town down. Yes. Oh, wow. yes she yes. was Suge Avery's healing. Yeah. yeah. Suge Avery felt like the first person that seen her was Seely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't easy. No, it was not. But I knew I had to do Fantasia, it. Fantasia, throughout yeah. your career, you have found success in various yeah, ways. Do you feel like there were moments where you weren't seen? Are you trying to make me cry? I'm just trying <laughs> to ask you questions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, a lot. Um, and that's another reason why Seely means so much. Do you feel too. seen now? I do. Yeah. I I can see me. You can I see know you. Who, yes. Yes. I know who I am. Mm -hmm. I had to go through all of that stuff in order to sit here with you mm -hmm. today. When you they come out on the think other about side. those moments where you didn't feel seen, and maybe to the world, Fantasia got it going on. Yes. Is there some somewhere along this journey you can pinpoint and look back at? Hmm. <laughs> I would say before I met my husband, mm. I was here doing Broadway yes. after midnight. Yep. yep. And I decided to put a ring on my finger and love myself, because <clears throat> I didn't love myself. And all of the things that I had went through, I was ready to start working on to heal, to get to a better place. And after midnight, I met my king, my best friend. Mm. And there he goes. There he, there he go. Yeah, there he go. He's so fine. He's so fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my best friend. Uh -huh. It's not a day that he doesn't wake up and tell me that I'm beautiful. Mm -hmm. And he calls me queen. Queen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. When you think about that journey, I think for a lot of viewers, they'll think back to winning American Idol nearly 20 years ago now. Yeah. That seems so long I ago. Know, I remember amazing. you. Yes. It's just yes. incredible. Yes. Incredible. And you had recently had a reunion with Paul Abdul, right? Yes. You met her recently. She was one of the judges mm -hmm. uh, that season. What was that like uh, re entering that? On the red carpet. On the red carpet. Yeah. yeah. I was crying, of course. I'm always crying. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> Paula said something to me when I was on Idol. She said, I see you not only singing, I see you being a, a movie star. Did she say uh, that? Mm -hmm. You can, you can she YouTube it. She spoke that. Oh, she, she spoke that. I'm up. So she runs up to me and says, I told you, you. Yeah. But I'll bet you didn't see yourself as a movie no. star. But you are a movie star now. And I, the thing about this movie is that it's so relatable on so many different levels, don't you think? Yeah. When you look at the story and the sisterhood of the woman, yeah. of, the, of the women. Yeah. I also love it because it's not just a black thing. Yes. It's a world thing. Yeah. Everybody can relate to this movie. I, when we went to watch it for the first time, my husband sat in the back and I was holding Taraji and, and Gabby's hand. And he reached over and he squeezed me. He says, I'm about to cry. Now, he don't cry often. Uh -huh. So when it was over, I said, I'm, I'm wondering what almost brought you to tears. My husband grew up, grew up without his father. He met his father on his dying bed. Hmm. So... Mr. Story with Harpo. Yes. It touched him in a way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this is not just a woman thing. It's not just a black thing. It's a mm -hmm. male, female, young, mm -hmm. old, all nationalities. And it's very entertaining, but I it believe is. when you leave, mm 
Yes. You're gonna, it's gonna hit different. Yes. Yeah, no yes. Yeah? It's a human thing, Fantasia. Yes. Yes. Asia Barina. Yeah. So, Golden Globe nominee, How I predict that? Oscar. I'm gonna be like Paul Abdul. I see an Oscar. <laughs> Put it into it. Tony, do you I, see it? I, I see it. I'm getting a vision. <laughs> I'm being nominated for an Oscar. No doubt. Oh um, my Fantasia, God. I, I could speak for us here and yes. everybody. We see you. Yes. And thank you. Yes. For thank your contributions. You. Keep kicking butt. Yes. 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 All right. The oh, color yes. purple hits theaters yes. on Christmas Day. Like Gail says, run. Don't, Don't walk. walk. <laughs> All right. And this excitement continues tomorrow on CBS Mornings. Corey Hawkins, who did an amazing job, tells us about the emotional journey of his character, Harpo. I love Corey. Yeah. That's right. We love him too. And the far away places with the strange sound. Yeah. Country music legend Willie Nelson celebrated his 90th birthday earlier this year with a star-studded concert at the Hollywood Bowl. The trailblazing singer-songwriter is still going strong with plenty of stories to tell. His latest book, Energy Follows Thought, shares some of the stories behind his songs. Only on CBS Mornings, Anthony Mason met up with Nelson. Where else? On the road again in Las yes. Vegas. Willie Nelson has written hundreds of songs, many of them classics. She's a good-hearted woman in love with a good time and man. Do you have a process? No, and uh, really, uh, I wrote this thing one time. It says, I don't really want to write another song, yeah. but don't tell that to my mind. It keeps throwing out words, and I have to make them rhyme. Yeah. It gets easier to watch the world fly by. In the past 10 years alone, he's released 18 studio albums. Writer's block seems unknown to him. It doesn't seem to have happened to you. Well, it happens. It's every songwriter, they get to a point where the well runs dry. And what do you do then? Just wait. Yeah. I haven't written anything in a few days. But in a anything. few days? <laughs> I knew someday you would fly away. What do you get from songwriting at this point in your life? Because God knows you got accomplishment, enough you know, accomplishment. Accomplishment? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't quit. No, that's clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 90. Maybe I should. But... Have you ever been tempted to quit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I quit every night. Do you? After every tour, I said, this is it. Yeah. And then I get the urge again to go back. The life I love is making music with my friends. I can't wait to get on the road again. He played the Hollywood Bowl with family and friends in April to celebrate his 90th birthday. Appreciated all those folks, you know, traveling a long way, taking time off to come, you know, wish me a happy birthday. That was great. And last month, he performed with Chris Stapleton, Sheryl Crow, and Dave Matthews when he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Better late than never. <laughs> How did you feel when you got that call? Naturally, I was in great honor, you know. I know the difference between the Rolling Stones and Hank Williams, but still, it's all rock and roll. But it's all connected. All connected. Yeah. All using the same notes. Willie started writing songs as a boy growing up in Texas. And I took my songs to Nashville yeah. to sell them because I was told that's what you do. I'm crazy. His break came in 1961. I'm crazy for feeling 
When Patsy Cline recorded one of his tunes. She heard crazy, loved it, recorded it in one take. Yeah, kind of changed your life. Yes. Crazy for feeling so But Willie struggled as a solo artist. He didn't fit the Nashville mold. And I never cared for you. I was kind of doing it the way I didn't want to do it. The way they told you you should do it. Yeah. Did you get discouraged? Oh, God, yeah. I drank too much, too, you know. Yeah. And, uh, I thought about suicide and everything, you know. You did? Oh, yeah. How did you deal with that? I started thinking positive. Yeah. Quit drinking. And remember me when the candle lights are gleaming. Willie moved back to Texas and was reborn as the red-headed stranger, America's favorite outlaw. I didn't come here and I ain't leaving. Now on the road again in his 10th decade. Throw me up and smoke me when I... I don't know how you do it. I don't either. I just didn't. I have the energy to do it and the desire. Yeah. Are you still doing martial arts, by the way? Yes. How often do you do it? Every day. You do? I think it every day, you know. Yeah. Exercises that I do, yeah. kick in and whatever. He has a fifth degree black belt. Started out in Kung Fu, they went over to Jiu Jitsu, and yeah. Judo, and Taekwondo. What attracted you to that? We had a saying in Abbott, Texas, where I come from, they yeah. only do three things down here yeah. fight, <laughs> and throw rocks. <laughs> so that's what I grew up Yeah. In. We fought everything and everybody, each yeah. other. Yeah. We fought bumblebees on the weekend. <laughs> what did martial arts give you? What has it given you? Confidence. Yeah. That I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah. So nobody should mess with you. No. <laughs> Please <go>. don't. <laughs> In his songwriting, Willie often makes light of his age. Heaven's closed and hell's overcrowded. You've said a couple of times you believe in reincarnation. Yeah. Have you thought about what you might come back as? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we probably come back as ourselves, you know, pretty Just much. Some other form. Yeah. Why do you believe in reincarnation? Well, I don't believe life ends ever. You know? Yeah. So we'll always have you and your song. Yeah. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I think I'll stay where I am. Oh, bless, he's still doing what he's doing. Isn't it amazing? Yes. And he's got so much going on, and he's still out on the road. He's got usually got his two sons by, by beside him, Lucas and, and Micah, and uh, he sounds amazing at, at 90 years old. I kept waiting in the piece for that song, Blue Skies. That's my favorite, Willie. Well, that's the funny Skies. thing is, you know, is that song. The, the book that's out is, is, is 160 of his songs and the stories behind him, uh -huh. behind them. But, of course, the thing is, Willie's also just a fabulous singer, you know, yeah. an incredible yeah. singer. And actually, his best-selling album is still Stardust, which is all, you know, classic yeah. American songs. I love yeah. that He's song. quite casually a philosopher as well. I love his yeah. idea about energy, and I love that line, roll me up and smoke me when I die. Uh, exactly. oh, God, about it. <laughs> My parents uh, love that line. For sure, for sure. Appreciate you, Anthony. And speaking of energy, Willie Nelson's book, Energy Follows Thought, is available wherever you like to buy your books. Also, Willie Nelson's 90th birthday celebration airs this Sunday at 8.30 p.m., 7.30 Central, right here on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. And the new Paramount Plus docuseries, Willie Nelson and Family, will begin streaming next <laughs> Thursday, December 21st. He is not We're, slowing down yeah, at all. Willie no. Nelson, as the kids say, is booked and busy. That's right. And we do thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow in your feed and Monday through Friday on your local CBS stations. 
starting at 7 a.m. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to CBS Mornings on the go ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.